0: Today on Blue 58, our analysis of the Packers' 2019 schedule takes us to the middle this week, which turns out to be a tough stretch. Let's break down a tough road trip for the Packers, in addition to dates with a couple teams that are hard to get a read on. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdank. Happy to be with you here for another episode. Gotta take couple take care of a couple house cleaning things before we get to the actual content of the of the podcast this week. Part of that has to do with the content of this year podcast in particular. Uh, the supplemental draft is this week, and it turns out that the Packers have a little bit of interest in one player in particular. It looks like they may. Whether or not they draft him uh, is up in the air yet. Obviously, we'll find out tomorrow, today, when you're listening to this show. Um, but that affects things for this show because I am actually recording two episodes on the day that we are recording this one. July 9th. I'm releasing them on their normal schedules, but they're all getting recorded together uh, because of some stuff going on next week that I'll be able to explain to you in the relatively near future. Just don't want to go into all of it right now. I'm going to record two episodes tonight and two episodes on Thursday night to take care of what's going on next week. I had thought about just recording them and releasing them as is without saying anything, but because I don't want them to seem dated, especially if the Packers end up doing something in the supplemental draft and I don't have a chance to address it. Any wonder why? This is why, because these episodes are going to be pre-taped. So the episodes next week are going to be alternate history stuff. I talked about that a few episodes back, wanted to do some more stuff like that. Then the following week will be the start of the the 2019 season, which is weird to think about, but it's coming up very quickly. We'll be into actual football. Training camp will be starting up uh, at, on the 25th, I think is the exact date. Uh, that that may not be correct, but it's, it's at or around there. It'll be the week that we return. Uh, so just wanted to let you know about that. These episodes are going to be taped in advance just because of some live stuff going on, and I will explain that to you uh, in the relatively near future. All good stuff, but uh, going to be busy. So anyway, let's dive into the content for this week. Supplemental draft. Apparently the Packers are interested in Washington State safety. Jalen Thompson had him in for a visit could be wanting to give him a physical just to get a look at an injured foot, and the Packers have some of the best uh, lower leg specialists in the world working in connection with the team, so that's a good thing to do. 5'10", 186 pounds, 4.47 speed, according to Tony Pauline, also visited with the Packers, according to Mr. Pauline as well. couple thoughts on this, and I don't really want to spend a lot of time talking about Thompson in particular for a couple reasons. First, He's thought of as like a day three pick, it seems like. And although the Packers do have an extra day three pick, it seems this is more a situation where they may just be doing their due diligence should he become a free agent, which is what would happen if nobody picks him in the supplemental draft. Secondly, I don't think it's super likely that they are going to spend that draft pick, though you never know, and the presence of that extra late round draft pick does make a little bit of a difference. As you recall, the Packers have a 2027th round pick from the Ty Montgomery trade midseason last year that that gives them a little bit of extra flexibility towards the end of the 2020 draft. I don't know how much that changes uh, their estimation of Thompson, if at all, or again, if they're just doing their due diligence. Due diligence. Apparently, he's a fairly popular prospect. Um, Twenty-six teams were at his workout. uh, The Packers presumably among them. Um, So who knows? You never know with these sorts of things. But the Packers haven't drafted somebody in the supplemental draft since 1998. And Mike Wall. Maybe this is another generational type pick here. They they make their second supplemental draft pick in 20 years. Who knows? At any rate. If they do end up picking him, we uh, we will address it when that uh, when that time comes. And if they sign him, we'll talk about him then as well. Let's transition to talking our to what we've been doing for the last couple episodes here, talking about the Packers' 2019 schedule. We're doing four teams this week just to make this fit into a nice and neat four episode run, because otherwise we'd have to do. Uh, Unusual numbers, smaller numbers uh, than the three or so at a time that we had been doing. This week, it works out really well. This particular episode works out really well because we're covering a four week stretch near the middle of the Packers schedule, week seven, eight, nine, and 10, which could be fairly brutal for the Packers. At least two of these teams look like they could be serious contenders in 2019 and will be real headaches for the Packers this year, just given who they have on their roster. Let's go through week by week, starting with their first opponent here in this stretch. Week seven, the Oakland Raiders travel to Lambeau Field. As you'll recall, we're looking at each of these teams through four key questions. What were they in 2018? What was their biggest off-season offensive addition? What was their biggest defensive addition? And then how should how concerned should we be about this team bearing in mind that of course it is july and a lot can change between now and when the packers actually play these teams so the raiders what were they in 2018 they were 4 and 12 and pretty much exactly the dumpster fire that everybody seemed to think that they were going to be in year 1 of the John Gruden experience yes it left a little bit to be desired he did compile a whole bunch of assets for the Raiders, some of which they used um, this spring in the draft. Yet overall, it did seem like they were more or less exactly the sum of their parts. A bunch of aging players, a bunch of players who may not be that good, and a coach who seems as interested, at the very least, in generating unusual sound bites as doing any coaching-related things. Here's the thing about the Raiders, though. You can't say that they're boring And we all have to look no further than their most significant offseason offensive addition for great evidence of that. Because they added Antonio Brown via trade. We spent a little bit of time talking about Mr. Brown, whether or not the Packers should be interested in acquiring him. Ultimately, it was the Raiders who did the deal, giving up a 2019 third and fifth round pick for Brown. They also had to pony up a relatively big contract extension for him, contract redo, whatever. It was a 3-year, $50 million deal for Brown with $30 million guaranteed. Again, two things to say about this. One, the Raiders are not boring at all. Uh you can argue about the efficacy of some of these moves. For instance, trading Khalil Mack last year probably not a super great idea. But you can't say they're not interesting to watch, and you can't. You also can't say you're, you know what's going to come next, because a year ago, I don't think anybody would say, yep, in mid-2019, Khalil Mack will be out of Oakland, and Antonio Brown will be there instead. They're also going to take a defensive end fourth overall. He's not going to be that exciting either. Last word on Antonio Brown, if you've got the cap space, I guess this is the second of the two things I wanted to say. If you've got the cap space to do that extension, three years, $50 million, the deal's not that bad. If it was me, I might have tried to bargain down to a third and a sixth or maybe a fourth this year and a fourth next year. But if Brown is good for two years, this is probably a pretty good deal that third year of that contract extension probably doesn't mean a whole lot. So say the real money in this contract is the $30 million guaranteed. Say it's a two-year, $30 million deal. Say even if it's a two-year, $35 million deal. If Brown is good for those two years, you could probably do a third and a fifth for that, considering the the lottery picks that fifth-round picks are, and far from known commodities that the third-round picks are. I mean, it's only one year's worth of picks. How many third and fifth rounders are going to even be in the league in 2021, 2022? It's not going to be a ton. Maybe not a completely insane deal here for the Raiders. Now, they also did have a pretty good receiver in house that they decided to trade to the Cowboys, but that's an entirely different question. It's hard to look at the entire body of work here from John Gruden and think, yeah, it looks like there's a plan here, considering. You know, trading Amari Cooper, getting him out of town, then bringing in Antonio Brown and paying him more than it probably would have cost to keep Amari Cooper. Yes, they're different players, but still, I don't know. It's, uh, again, it's hard to look at the entire picture here in Oakland and see, see some semblance of an overall plan. Just look at their entire relocation stadium, whatever deal. Uh, yeah, Oakland is an interesting place. Their biggest defensive addition, Cleland Farrell fourth overall pick in the 2019 NFL Draft. I think there's a lot to like about Farrell as a player. The question concerning him is, is not what he can do on the field, it's whether or not picking him fourth overall was a good decision. And this is something that's going to come up when we talk about the Giants here in a little bit. How do you evaluate a situation in which you got a player that you really like but you pick him probably higher than you should. That seems to be what the Raiders have done and what the Giants did with Daniel Jones, who we'll talk about a little bit later, later on. But was it really a, a great idea to pick him fourth overall, considering the general consistent consensus on Cleveland Farrell? Probably somewhere in the 10 to 16, maybe 10 to 20 range, 15 to 20. And yet, if he's the guy you like, should you really mess around with trying to trade down. I don't think it's as crazy a situation as some people make it out to be. If you like him, maybe just pick him. And maybe you can't find a trading partner, so you just take a guy you like at the slot you're at. Sure, it may not necessarily align, but if he turns out to be a good player, does it really matter? You do end up paying him a little bit more just because of how the contract slotting works, but again, if you like him, what's what's the really big deal? To me, that's evidence of a plan which is something that you're looking for in Oakland, especially if you're an Oakland Raiders fan pulling your hair out a little bit. It may not be a good plan, but at least there's a plan in place there. They saw a guy that they liked. They didn't really care about the draft slot they were getting into and just went ahead and picked him. Again, if he turns out to be good, it's probably not a real big problem. How concerned should we be about the Oakland Raiders? I'm not super concerned at all. Um and fortunately we'll get a little bit of time to sort of feel out the Raiders to see if that's a good thing to be feeling about them heading into uh that week seven game. But right now, in July, caveats added, not super concerned. The Raiders are kind of like that drunk dude at a bar who's moderately overserved, talking a big game. He might knock you out if you get into a tussle with him. But there's also a pretty good chance he's going to just trip over his own shoes and knock himself out on the curb as well. You're feeling pretty good if you're going into a tussle with that guy. You like your chances. I like the Packers' chances against the Raiders. That may be a little bit of a tortured metaphor, but I think you you see my point there. The Raiders are as likely to take themselves out of competition this year as anything any opposing team is likely to do to them. Not so the Kansas City Chiefs, who the Packers will play in Kansas City in week eight, there is one Blue58 listener I know of, you know who you are, we've talked about it, uh, who is for sure going to this game, and it's going to be awesome. Great place to watch a game, and it should be an exciting one. Uh, it'd be At the very least, it seems like it's going to be exciting to watch the Chiefs. We'll see about the Packers and how they stand up against the Chiefs uh, towards the middle of this season, obviously. What were the Chiefs in 2018? Their regular season re- record really doesn't matter, though it was very good. Uh, what really comes down to, or what what their 2018 really season really comes down to, is that one play in the playoff game against the New England Patriots. They snag an interception with a four-point lead late in the game. And for a moment, it looks like everything is going Kansas City's way, except it turns out there's an offsides penalty on that same play. Takes away the interception. The Patriots all, all obviously as you know, go down and score, go on to win the Super Bowl, and the rest is history. The Chiefs were just that close to taking out the Patriots in the playoffs, but instead their entire 2018 2018 season kind of goes by the boards. Incidentally, I think this is a great example of kind of the defining characteristic of the Bill Belichick era Patriots. I think there is kind of there's an undercurrent sometimes when you talk about the Patriots of things always breaking their way. And to be fair, I think that's pretty true. They have had a lot of things go exactly the right way for them in this dynastic run that they've been on. I think you can point that out without taking anything away from their success. Because as we know, and as I've mentioned many times on this podcast, you need a lot of things to break your way to win a championship, really to win any game. Things got to go your way a lot. But why does it seem like things break the Patriots way more often than not? I'm not sure they do, but I, I think the Patriots are just really good about not beating themselves. The Patriots, for the duration of this Belichick and Brady run, have done a fantastic job of just limiting their own mistakes. They do a really good job of staying out of their own way and waiting for you to screw up and then taking advantage of your mistakes. I think if you're a team that just constantly is taking advantage of other people's mistakes and not making mistakes yourself, it's going to seem like things are breaking your way way more often than perhaps they should. I don't know if you can verify that for sure with the Patriots, but I do know that that Belichick is death on mistakes. And avoiding mistakes is one of the easiest ways to win an NFL game. The Chiefs' biggest offensive addition this offseason is a tough thing to nail down because they really didn't make a ton of them. Their really only notable free agent offensive additions were Carlos Hyde and Anthony Sherman, both running backs. Then in the draft, they added three offensive players. Nicole Hardman, a wide receiver in the second round, Darwin Thompson, a running back in the seventh round, and Nick Allegretti, a guard, also in the seventh round. Not a whole lot of stuff jumping out there, but on defense, on defense, they made several notable additions, none bigger than Frank Clark, whom they traded a 2019 first and 2020 second round pick to the Seattle Seahawks to acquire. He had been franchised by the Seahawks, but was traded to the Chiefs on the condition that he sign a new contract, and that is exactly what he did. Kansas City signed him to a five-year, $104 million extension, which makes the Trey Flowers extension that we talked about last week look pretty cheap. Kansas City is in the process of switching to a 4-3 defense. Clark was thought to be a better fit for that than D. Ford. He's just turning 26. He's had 35 sacks in his four NFL seasons. Seems like a pretty reasonable deal to me. That is a pretty big price to give up, those two draft picks and that big, big extension. But you can see what the Chiefs are thinking there. How concerned should we be about the Kansas City Chiefs? Extremely concerned. All right be extremely concerned about the Chiefs. This is going to be a tough one, probably the most concerning single game on the schedule. I would listen to arguments on that, but I have a hard time finding a tougher one right now than traveling to Kansas City for a primetime game against Andrew Reid, Patrick Mahomes, just everything that they've got going on offense. That's pretty tough to see the Packers overcoming. And if you're going to pencil in any losses this year, that's probably not a bad one to anticipate a potential loss. Unfortunately, it's happening in prime time, but uh, boy, that's going to be a tough one. Also tough is traveling to Los Angeles to play the Chargers in week nine. In 2018, they were 12-4 and four and humming along pretty nicely there. Philip Rivers was clicking at age 37, finally seemed to be getting some league-wide respect. Uh, for the first time in his career, kind of an odd career for Phillip Rivers, probably a little bit of a victim of the fact that Ben Roethlisberger and Eli Manning, also in his draft class, both have won two Super Bowls, but uh, probably the best pure passer out of those three, and he's going to end up being miles away, the most statistically productive out of those three, but it just wasn't to be in 2018 for the Chargers. Another victim of the Patriots machine, they lost 41 to 28 in the divisional round, a game that never really felt super close um, from memory for me. This is going to be tough though. Uh, just peeking a little bit ahead to the, the bottom here of our, of our notes, even though the Packers will probably be playing what feels like a home game in Los Angeles, the Chargers have been real good for a long time. Rivers is still very good. This is going to be a tough one uh, in front of the Chargers' quote-unquote home crowd. The biggest offensive addition for the Chargers this offseason is kind of like the Chiefs. Really, none. Uh, They signed Tyrod Taylor, backup quarterback. They drafted Easton Stick, who some people call the second coming of Taysom Hill, maybe. I'm not not really sure I believe that, but uh, he is another athletic um, small school quarterback. He's also white, those were another comparison. Um yeah, I I don't know. Not a lot of interesting stuff, long story short, going on for the Chargers this offseason on offense. Defense, though, is an interesting one, uh, because the two most notable defensive additions for the Chargers were Jerry Tillery, a defensive tackle, and Nasir Adderley, a safety, their first and second round picks of this year's draft, respectively. These guys are interesting because they are both connected to the Packers, or both were connected to the Packers in many, many, many mock drafts. Nasir Adderley in particular, a popular first-round potential pick for the Packers in their uh, second of two first-round picks. Of course, the Packers did end up going with the safety, just not Adderley, drafting Darnell Savage after trading up to the 21st slot. But it'll be interesting to see how those two picks, connected closely to the Packers, end up playing this year and in many years to come. A lot of uh, an increasing number of draft picks on uh, on that Chargers squad with connections to the Packers. Derwin James, another one. Um, they're very, very good young safety uh, who the Packers could have taken uh, before they traded down and did all the things they did in the 2018 draft. How concerned we should be? Well, like I said, probably pretty concerned. Chargers have been good for a while. Uh, Phillip Rivers is still pretty solid heading into his H38 season. This will be a good team again. There's no reason to expect that they won't. Um, and the Packers playing on the road. Their second West Coast trip in a row, uh, or trip West, not really West Coast there in Kansas City, but you know what I mean. Uh, second long road trip, challenging road trip in a row. This, again, could be a tough one. Finally, rounding out this group of four, uh, let's talk about the Panthers, who the Packers will play in Week 10 back at Lambeau Field. In 2018, the Panthers were 7-9. and nine. Good for second in the NFC South. They had an absolutely horrific back half of the season in 2018. They started six and two. Fantastic. Really good. You like to be six and two through eight games. It's pretty, pretty solid. You're on your, on pace for a 12 and four season as we do some really quick, very impressive math. But from week 10 through week 16, they lost seven games straight on their way to a, uh, really embarrassing finish to the season. It was due in part to some significant shoulder issues for Cam Newton. They also had a really tough start to that seven-game streak or that seven-game road streak. Four of the first five games of that losing streak were on the road. They played two road games, then were back at home for a week, and then played two more road games. That's a tough draw if you're doing that. Um, so understandable, given the injury to uh, to Newton. And just a tough schedule there, but still, seven games in a row, that is real bad. Their biggest offensive addition this offseason was Matt Paradis, the center formerly of the Denver Broncos. Leg injury wrecked his 2018 season, but prior to that, he was one of PFF's top graded centers in the league. Getting the middle of your offensive line figured out is never a bad idea, especially when your quarterback is getting beat up a lot and kind of has a reputation for getting beat up a lot. some for good reasons, some for bad reasons, but um, never a bad idea to, uh, to shore up the middle of your offensive line. Their biggest defensive addition is another notable draft pick with connections to the Packers, or at least theoretical connections to the Packers. The Panthers took Brian Burns, the outside linebacker out of Florida State, 16th overall. A lot of people were convinced he was going to be the Packers pick at 12, but they went with the much bigger edge rusher, in the form of Rashawn Gary. If you like traditional, smaller, speedier 3-4 pass rushers, Burns is probably your guy uh, from the 2019 draft, at at least, especially in the range the Packers were picking. The Packers went a bit of a a non-traditional route in in the Gary pick, um, at least in terms of uh, what what you typically look for in the 3-4 outside linebacker mold. But Burns also could have made a lot of sense there, and it'll be interesting to see how Gary and Burns both play out there. Uh, an interesting comparison to watch. How concerned should the Packers be? That's a tough question. Uh, a lot like the Cowboys, when we talked about them last week, you kind of got to wait and see. Um, you're not sure what you're going to get from the Panthers week in, week out, season in, season out. Uh, they're a team kind of without an overall identity, other than uh, the team whose quarterback kind of wears funny clothes to press conferences. Side note on that, uh, I kind of like Cam Newton's press conference stuff. Yep, some of it's weird. I wouldn't wear any of it. But if you're going to have a thing, if you're going to be known for a thing, that is among the probably better things to be known for. If you're going to be infamous for something, let's put it that way if you're going to be infamous, wearing unusual clothes to a press conference is on the, the side of that spectrum that you probably don't mind being known for that, that thing. There's a lot worse things you could be infamous for. But the larger point still stands. I'm not sure what you're getting in the 2019 Carolina Panthers. I'm not sure what you got in the 2018 Carolina Panthers, uh, as evidenced by their kind of Jekyll and Hyde season. So we got to wait and see on this one for sure. And we will wait and see, because they will be playing the Packers at Lambeau Field uh, in Week 10. After week 10, the Packers head into a bye. Week 11, relatively late bye this week. But that is a discussion for another time because that is all I have for you on this particular episode of Blue 58. Thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate everybody who takes the time to download one of our episodes and listen in. If you are new to the show and like what you heard and want to help us keep it going, the best way to support us is is to leave us a review and rating on iTunes. It does help more people find the show. If you want to take your support to the next level, the most straightforward way to do that is to donate a dollar a month at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash thepowersweep. A buck a month helps offset our hosting costs for this show, uh, for thepowersweep.com. and just uh, is a great way of demonstrating that you like what you're doing or what we're doing and you want us to keep it, keep it going. Also, don't forget to check out our great selection of t-shirts and sweatshirts by clicking the shop link at thepowersweep.com. If you've got an idea for the show or just want to say hi, reach us at thepowersweep.com on Facebook or Twitter or by emailing thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. We do appreciate everybody who takes the time to reach out. As always, every bit of feedback you give us helps us make Blue58 and the PowerSweep better, which helps further our mission of making everyone a smarter Packers fan, as and as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue Fifty Eight.